There is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eternity Archives, an actual play podcast where we take on the role of interdimensional archivists trying to hold the fabric of reality together and see cool things and make new friends along the way. My name is Bappy, and my pronouns are they, them, and I am the GM slash anchor for our current arc, where we are playing Henshin. But before we get back into playing, let's hit it off with an icebreaker question and some intros. Once more, continuing with the theme of this whole thing and the question from last episode. If y'all were spandex heroes whose sole purpose was meant to sell toys, what would your signature mech, not Zord, be? Hi everyone, I'm Dorka. My pronouns are she, her. My character is Zen, the lizard princess, red power ranger, and she's having a great time in this weird and wacky world. But uh, you'll find out about her signature mech later, maybe, but my signature mech would probably be... Dinosaur. Yes. Orca. (laughs) (laughs) Called out. I feel like I wouldn't get as much functionality as I would want out of an orca, because... You know, that's just uh, water-based. You're making toys. It could be a land orca. Am I going to have to talk about my Beast Wars OC? <laughs> <laughs> it's furry time, everybody. No, 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 no. No, my signature mech would be a dinosaur. Specifically, uh, I don't know, a dromaeosaur would be kind of small and unimpressive, but maybe an allosaurus. You can scale it up. Yeah, but if you scale up a dromaeosaur, then it's just an allosaurus. So Okay, I am so sorry to Dorka and also to all the paleontologists out there for being a freaking scrub. And all of <laughs> the five-year-old fans in the audience who have just been waiting desperately for this episode. Oh god, I hope there's not five-year-olds in the audience. You should apologize especially to them. They buy I'm the sorry, toys. five-year-olds. I definitely apologize to any five-year-olds who have been listening. <laughs> and parents, why are you letting your five-year-olds listen to this? Yeah, probably don't. This is an M-rated podcast. Do you guys say bad words? I haven't said a single bad word in my entire life. I'm not going to start we now. definitely don't talk and make funny sex jokes or anything. Oh and unfunny God. sex jokes. I know. Mostly unfunny sex jokes. Mon- mostly unfunny. You're going to hear from my lawyer. <laughs> oh, jeez. Ember is five, as we all know now. <laughs> all right, who's next? Uh, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Ziva, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm so glad I hesitated thinking about my own name. I play Linda, the adorable human office lady, who is a uh, goofy and lovable orange ranger on uh, our Henshin arc. She also has apparently no social skills. Um, big apology to all of the cat people. The five-year-old cat boys in yeah, the audience. Yeah, all the five-year-old cat boys. Sorry, everybody. Um, you know, just a blanket apology to everybody. We should just start ending our episodes <laughs> Drawfy style and just say, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, to stay on topic, if I had a mech, I think it would be... 
I'm torn between unicorn and horse because they're both good answers. Um, and they're both extremely on brand for me. But I'm going to say unicorn because a unicorn is just a horse with a horn. Yeah, unicorn's a cooler horse. It's a horse upgrade. Yeah. So unicorn is the yeah. correct yeah, why answer. Why would you have a horse if you could have a unicorn instead? Yeah, you know that's pretty much correct. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say unicorn. My mech would be a unicorn. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Ember. Uh, I use she, they pronouns, and I am playing the role of Hope, the interdimensional traveler who is currently uh, stuck working for the library. But it's fine because they've got, you know, books and cookies and warm places to sleep. So the Zord shape that I would have, mm. I'm not going to say any other word and you're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, the Zord shape that I would have, originally I was thinking a cheetah because cheetahs are cool, but actually I'm going to go with a crab because crabs Ooh. are nature's endpoint for evolution and nothing can beat them. You're the apex predator. I am the apex crab predator and people are just going to have to deal with that. I'm trying to decide which internet crab joke to make and it's really hard. So I'm just going to so opt out of this. How about uh, a classic crab battle? I was, I was really <laughs> torn between crab battle and giant enemy crabs, so... <laughs> well, I wanted to start dancing, but the, obviously that would not translate well in audio. Uh, <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm recovering from a concussion. Um, <laughs> the mech that I would pick uh, would either be a bat or a raccoon. I think raccoon, you know, bats have been done a couple times. Maybe I don't know if it's been done in Super Sentai or Power Rangers, but there's definitely been like bat characters in Kamen Rider. Not that they have mechs, but like, you know, but bats are cool. They're kind of gross looking, but cute when you zoom up on them, just like me. Uh, and same with raccoons. So I don't know, maybe like a rabat. <laughs> no, that's a completely different animal. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting you're getting right into chimera territory now, and I gotta say it's gonna be a little weird. Yeah, it's gonna be cute as fuck. Oh, sorry, once again to all the five year old cat boys out there. So, uh with all the intros out of the way, last step, y'all got your sea legs on the world of Crystoria and you took part in a battle and learned some mechanics and did some really cool first episode Super Sentai esque shit. Yes. They should make a TV show about us. Uh, and afterwards, y'all uh, kind of got to talking with the with the folks on the ship. Some of you were more successful than others. And now you're kind of just establishing your bearings and whatnot uh, as you have some downtime and, and relax a little bit. So are y'all ready to keep on going? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's mosey. Would you ask them any questions? Would you, would you talk about anything? Are you two just kind of silently changing the sails? <laughs> She'd actually probably use this opportunity to get like a different viewpoint on, on what's been going on. And because, you know, not to say that Aurelia was lying to them in any way, but more like get the viewpoint of someone who seems less like this is personal involvement on what's going on and on the Imperium and, and everything that's happened since. Aurelia mentioned before that they had tried to run a rescue op and it didn't work. So she might try and, like, quietly figure more out about that, but not be like, so, heard you try to rescue someone and everything sucked. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, bring it, bring it up. Yeah, people are gonna ask where you guys came from, because, you know, this is a boat in the middle of the ocean. You weren't there before, and now you are. So it's like, what the fuck, you know? 
the general consensus on how people are treating you on this boat some people are a little bit suspicious others are maybe kind of like cautious and others are maybe more like fascinated so this most person seems to be more on the edge of like caution they are going to take this opportunity to get to know you as well so as you guys are you know tending to the sails and, and trying to hoist it up and all that stuff they would quietly ask uh, what's your name oh nice to meet you mouse nice to meet you so how'd you end up on this uh ship here you weren't with us at anchor's edge and you just appeared out of nowhere on in the middle of this battle i think it's understandable that some of us are a little little suspicious but no we we got dropped off by a friend more or less we're definitely here to help but i can understand being concerned uh especially after what's happened before that we heard and i mean you know we got enough of a stink eye from reed that's pretty easy to tell that showing up in the middle of a fight it was not the uh most shall we say trustworthy way to appear sure but uh they kind of grunt and they, they nod and look at you it seems like they accept what you're saying they are probably one of the older looking people on the ship the mouse ears are maybe a little tattered and raggedy looking and Aww. so they are definitely a little more grizzled than you know like chance and so you know they say just as much as like you know i've, I've been doing this kind of thing for uh, a long time i was uh, one of the royal guard i can tell that someone can be trustworthy you're not quite there yet but uh i don't think you're uh, you're a bad egg i hope not i'm not much of an egg at all you were in the, the Royal Guard, so you must have seen a whole lot as, as everything happened then, huh? Yep, not quite on the front front line, but pretty damn near close to it. Heard a lot of things about how this all happened and was in the thick of it when all the fighting started. Saw a lot of death, too, but that's just war, am I right? Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. And they look at you. Do you have any scars visible with what you're wearing right now? Yes. Okay, yeah, then they, they can tell that, yeah, for sure. It's hard to go back after everything. Yeah, we just uh, keep going forward and take back what we can, but uh, it's not much to take back at this point. It just means you have to take what they have. Yeah, uh, funny that. I mean, what they have is what was ours in the first place. They just uh, came out of the sky ten years ago, maybe more than that at that point, and they just started trying to take all our shit. No, No other way to respond but fight back. Don't worry about it too much. Well, do worry about it too much, but know that we're here to help. <laughs> I appreciate it. She'll let it pass in comfortable-ish silence. Yeah, so, you know, you all work together to put the sails up. I imagine Zen and Reeve are just getting drunk in the mess hall. I don't know, at this point, they might have to just be sleeping it off. <laughs> just passed out on, like, the mess hall bench. Head face down, like, on the table. The next few hours pass by a sense of danger when I have calmed down a bit. They just go on with their chores, fixing things up, tidying things around. The sun sets and darkness falls and people start gathering for, for dinner and whatnot. Someone would have shown you to your own cabins. So it's ultimately up to you all what you would want to do if you'd want to eat dinner with everyone else in the mess hall or if you'd rather retire to your own cabins for the evening. Well, between the fighting and completely embarrassing herself in front of the cat boy and then um, <laughs> scrubbing nasty goo off of a deck, Linda is going to continue to be a little bit less social with everyone else than normal. 
She's probably going to take her food back to her cabin and turn in for an early night. But of course, um, if her teammates need her, they know where to find her and she's always willing to help them. But she's hoping that kind of laying low means that uh, people on the ship won't ask her questions about where they're from and also maybe will um, convince them that she's not a threat, that she's just, you know, actually what she says she's doing, which is that she's here to help and she'll just kind of like melt into the background and try not to get up to anything too suspicious. By the time Zen sleeps it off, wakes up and they're setting the table for dinner so she'll just stay right where she is <laughs> they just are setting like dinner plates around her like setting down like the plates of food just put like a napkin on her head would you move her uh no <laughs> someone's put a blanket on you it's very cute yeah she's she's worked up a mighty appetite by this point so oh i i bet host's gonna go ahead and grab some dinner from the mess hall and then kind of take stock of things. But I think she actually, she hasn't been on a boat in a while. So she's going to head back out on deck and probably eat there as the, the boat's still slowly moving on towards the sea. But it's it's been a while since she's been in this situation. She kind of wants to savor it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So everyone is uh, eating their din-dins and palling up with everyone. Linda's being alone in her room. And Hope is just taking in the, the beautiful uh, twinkling sea um, amongst the, the stars. Uh, Hope, you can see on the top of the ship, there is a figure looking out into the sea. Much like yourself, just probably wanted to take some time out of their own and just take in the solitude. Things are as quiet and calm as they were, you know, the past few hours. The water sounds very calm. You know, you kind of hear the splash of water hitting against the side of the boat as the boat's sailing through the, the ocean. But in the distance, you can hear maybe like a motor, like a very smooth motor sound. And the sound of it is getting closer by the second. Uh, I'm going to go downstairs immediately and try and find Aurelia because uh, given the status of our ship and what she's told us, I'm pretty sure that anyone approaching is a bad sign. Yes. Uh, Aurelia was was not downstairs. And you actually would have known that because when you were getting your food, you didn't see her downstairs already. I am also looking for Reeve. If I don't find one of them, I will ask the first person I can find where either of them are because I hear an approaching something. Okay, sure. Uh, So actually, as you go downstairs, you can definitely spot Reeve. She's probably hanging out with Zen, honestly. Uh, And and, uh, after Hope, you also hear hurried footsteps following you down and behind you it is uh, Aurelia she heard the sounds of whatever the motor coming after you guys in the distance and she is just right up behind you Reeve immediately takes notice that that the princess had followed after you in such a hurry and she immediately stands and uh, walks over to the two of you uh, something or someone is approaching quickly Reeve is immediately on edge from hearing this, and she hurriedly walks back up the stairs with Aurelia taking the lead, who, you know, just kind of nodded along with their statement. Um, and, and they both go uh, head off. There are probably a couple people who have taken notice from this and maybe stepped away from the table to follow after it, but like maybe some of the lesser ranked people are kind of just still eating dinner and just hanging out. Zen would be one of these people to get up and follow. She figures if, if Hope has something to say, then it's probably important to listen to. 
So Aurelia and Reeve both head up kind of like side by side. They get to the upper deck of the ship and quickly in the distance, that smooth motor sound is very loud. Anyone can hear it. In the distance, uh, maybe like a few hundred yards away, there is a very familiar looking sleek metal vessel. And at the, not hood, but the top of that ship is the shark man with the, with the hook hands. Shark man hook hand car door. (laughs) 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 And as soon as Aurelia's ship is within distance, the, on the, on the body of the ship, the, the metallic one, there's like a sliding metal opening that reveals a cannon of some sort. I guess let me give you guys a second to react. Let me know if you do anything because all this is happening very quickly. I had assumed that they would already be, like, preparing for war, but, uh, I don't know. I'm not the ship captain. Reeve is probably commanding people to kind of go below deck to, like, man those cannons that you saw, and someone's probably already, like, steering the ship so that the side of those cannons are are facing this approaching vessel of the, uh, shark hand hook man door door or whatever. Um, and so that's probably happening as you guys are observing the scene in front of you. Well, one of us should definitely go get Linda. As I was say, Linda um, hears the chaos and she hasn't like quite fallen asleep yet. She's winding down. But when she hears what sounds like her teammates uh, jumping into action, she also uh, rushes up onto the deck. Cool. So Hope and Linda are there. Uh, Zen is there. Are you Zen? Are you doing anything? Are you? Is it kind of all just happening very quickly and and so there's not much for you to react or are you... As long as Zen has her weapon in hand, she is as prepared as she can be. As you watch this ship approach, it does kind of slow as it gets closer to you. And then it's kind of slow motion as your boat turns to the side. The kind of cannon openings on the side of the ship slide open. Um, You see those like sleek metal barrels slide out. And kind of like simultaneously, they both ships fire off with what they were uh, loading. So the shark's boat fires out like a giant hook. It, it just comes hurling towards you guys. And then your ship, Aurelia's ship, on the other hand, uh, the, the few cannons on the side, just shoot out like purple iridescent like lasers. You would think from like the force of it, the metal of the hook and the laser, at least one of them would impact it and maybe kind of deter the velocity of this hook, but it seems to go like right through it. The metal of it, it's not just a regular standard metal. It's almost like reflective. The beam hits it and it kind of goes like in a T like sideways. Um, And then the other lasers uh, shoot forward and they glance off the side of the metallic boat. As soon as the giant hook, anchor, grappling hook thing hits the side of the boat, the entire ship just like rocks as this wood is completely like fucking shattered to splinters. And you can hear like crashing against the metal from, from, the, from the cannons and, and people screaming. Shit's just in fucking chaos. The grappling hook is probably like pulling on you guys and trying to pull you closer. Well, that's not ideal. Mm, no. Reeve uh, is commanding people to like get armed because right now they're just preparing. Like the ship's already fucked. Um, they're preparing for more mooks to board the ship like earlier. Right now, they're just trying to protect the princess. 
that's probably their ultimate goal here. Uh, so, you know, everyone's running around trying to get ready for, for the fight that's about to happen. Aurelia is looking at you guys, just like, there's like a thoughtful look in her eyes as, as she also looks very, like, concerned and she's kind of grasping this this necklace that's um hanging around her and it's just chaos just lots of yelling and and and, and the air is very tense uh, hope's gonna get look over at aurelia and, and just ask her i hope you have a plan b i do but it would involve your consent agreements i don't know how good of an idea this will be and Reeve kind of catches the latter end of that statement. And Reeve is just like, Princess, you can't. We can't trust them. Not yet. We've barely, we barely know them. We don't know what they could do. Well, don't worry about us. We're, uh, we're real good at things that might not be the best idea. Yeah, we already <laughs> fought over this once. Not to mention, if this is the plan B and there is no plan A, this is the only one you can do anyway. There was a plan A, but plan A, as you can tell, didn't, uh, it didn't pan through... And Reeve is just, like, still trying to talk the princess out of whatever she has on her mind at the moment. But she can't say anymore because the, the ship is very quickly being dragged closer and closer to the this metal alien vessel. Two panels pop out and, like, they shoot forward and, like, connect the two ships together with kind of like that boarding bridge from earlier. So before she can even say anything else, the the ship gets rocked again with tremendous force breaking the ship and more of these trench coat mooks with like makeshift weapons. Uh, some of them are very spiky and that's how you can tell they are the ones in charge. And it's kind of like flair in, in, in office space. You know, you want to have lots of flair on your uniform and that's just how you prove you care about your job but with this it's with lots of spikes and so they are quickly waddling like doing the little mook wobble over as if they are men in rubber suits yes as if they are men <laughs> in rubber suits and they're supposed to act quote unquote alien and so they make noises like but really they sound very very silly and if they weren't trying to kill you maybe they'd be a little bit cute i don't mean to rush you princess but um if you do have a backup plan, uh, you may want to use it sooner rather than later. Uh, up to you, but... Um... Yeah, whatever you've got, now is the time. She looks at you guys and she nods. There's fear and trepidation in her eyes. And she pulls off the necklace. It's kind of like a locket. And when she opens up the locket, there are three very small circular gemstones in this locket. Um, one that is deep, all-consuming looking red, a void, kind of calming black, and also um, a shining orange. And she is trying to preface this as best as she can without throwing you into this, because you guys have no idea what the fuck these are. And she's just like, I can't help you find the lost gems, but here are some that I managed to find. These are the ones that gave us our rangers' powers and helped them fight against the Exir Imperium during the war. We just haven't had anyone to take them. But if you want, and if you're willing to take on the danger of, of this power, I can offer my blessing and you can use these to transform and hopefully save us. Well, this is something we are definitely equipped to do. And uh, <laughs> Linda looks at, at Hope and Zen. Is it? Uh, 
this is, this is Hope's first time. She's not sure what the deal is. Oh yeah, this is Hope's first time. <laughs> if Hope and Zen are, are willing to take the gems, Linda's willing to take the gems. She, uh, as soon as she hears like, you know, you can transform and you can help fight. And she's like, all right, yeah, I can handle this. Hope's just going to shrug and grab one at random, which by sheer coincidence happens to be the blocking. Oh man, that's the one you prepared a character sheet for. Wouldn't it be so wacky if you... (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, so she nods uh, and there's kind of that trepidation in her eyes turns into like a sadness almost as these gems were like shimmering and sparkling as if there's some kind of protective barrier around them. And before you reached out to get them, it's almost like she willed some kind of seal on them to break. And coinciding with that moment, there there is like that very deep sadness in her expression, um, but it, she quickly steals herself and nods. And you guys grab the gems that, that call at you, I'm, I'm assuming. And as soon as you do, these kind of flat, circular gems turn into uh, larger, flat circles. And coincidentally enough, there are slots within the weapons that you landed on this realm with. And she gestures at your weapons and says, you just need to put the coin in there to facilitate this transformation and then you use the keyword to unlock the magic within these gems um, and that unlocks the magic within these gemstones what's the keyword you have to yell orange change sure why not all right yeah <laughs> so uh yeah linda slots her gem into her rapier and is gonna yell orange change all right. How do these transformations look as they happen? You guys can kind of describe it one by one. For people who don't really know about Sentai, there's usually some kind of crazy CGI going on in the background as they change in the shows. So kind of imagine that. It usually has something to do with their motif, like if it's an animal thing. I don't know, maybe a fucking dolphin comes out of the ground and like eats them or something like that. And then that like becomes their suit. Uh, that's an example. I don't know if that's actually a real example, but something like that. You get my drift. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to take that one. <laughs> All right, whoever wants to go first. <laughs> I'm going to go first because uh, I'm pumped about mine. So Linda raises her rapier into the air. She feels a surge of power and uh, the ground shoots out like a swirl of like golden glittering light and begins to sort of swirl around her, kind of like the swan princess. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's it. So she's she's engulfed in like this swirl of golden glittering light. Hope is going to go ahead and put the coin into her combat gloves and yell out, Orin, change! Her sequence is that she takes like a, a starting runner's pose where she's like leaned down on her, her hands and she takes off like a shot and runs through various pitch black walls that form into the various components of her suits, like starting with the, the chest piece of the actual suit and the, the pants and then, you know, the arms and the legs. And then finally, the last one is the helmet, where she basically shoulder charges her way through something. Oh my gosh. Goes to the ground, <laughs> rolls, stands up, and then she's she's fully dressed in her outfit. Uh, and the last thing that happens is that the back part of her top flares out to form the coat that it normally does. Amazing. So Zen takes her gem and inserts it into her cutlass and says the words, Orin change. She touches the tip of her cutlass to the ground and whips it upward, and a column of water following the point of the blade engulfs her completely. The water rapidly heats and turns into thick, hissing steam, and when Zen emerges from the fog, she is fully suited up. 
Wait, like, I don't know about you guys, but that shit's so fucking hype. Y'all did so good. <laughs> I'm like, this is so cool. Um, yeah, I fucking love it. You would watch this show. Oh, 100%. So you guys are all suited up, and the princess's eyes kind of light up, and she kind of, like, claps her gloved hands together, and she's like, honestly, I wasn't sure if that was going to work. You guys are doing, like, your flashy transformations where there's, like, beams of light probably, like, uh, shooting off in the fucking night. Um, there's sounds of combat and battle. Uh, people are like whipping around to look at you, and you can hear like whispers of people just being like, "Oh my god! Like, how did that happen?" Like, and then just like uh, whispers of like awe and like shock, and then kind of like ripping through those that wave of whispers is the shark man who's just like, "Our Rangers, how did you get your way out of the prison?" He jumps off of like the tip of the boat where he was standing. The claws on his hands shoot out and like latch onto the rim of your boat. And then he like Spider-Man <laughs> swings onto your boat, like almost like a, a slingshot. Physics don't work that way. Please don't at me. It's magic, I guess. But like he almost like rubber bands back and then like propels himself forward and is just flying towards you guys. So Zen is ready to go with this. She sees Sharkman Hookhand coming <laughs> and says, well, it looks like someone's ready to lose some more fingers. Oh yeah, I guess he only has nine fingers. Didn't you like cut off a pinky or thumb or something? I got one of them. And he's just like growling and making angry shark person noises. You're the first one to say something. So he's just catapulting like straight for you. Does this count as talk smack to someone more powerful than you? I'll say yeah, sure. I will also say because this is kind of like, you know, the first episode transformation, generally transforming takes a token, but I'll give you guys a freebie because I, you know what? You deserve one. So what do you do as this uh, shark man hook hand is coming at you? Well, Zen's got her sword and is real excited to use it. Her suit is, um, well, she's all in red, and it covers her completely all the way up and down her tail as well. And it's very heavily armored, like especially around the head and shoulders. So she is uh, ready to give as good as she gets, basically. And so he's charging at her, she's charging back at him. He's basically like a torpedo, like flying straight at you, like head first. What do you do to like deflect him or like stop his trajectory? Because he will like barrel straight into you and probably like knock you into the water. Well, Zen's bright <laughs> idea is to um, quite literally hit him head on and um, charge in with her own head. And you're just gonna like headbutt him? Yes. Oh, oh my dear. god. You boop him on the snoot. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do with sharks, right? That's true. Yes, that is actually. what you're supposed to do with sharks. For the kills. Zen Blue doesn't guys. know that, but... um. <laughs> so you guys hit each other like, bam, like right in the head. You can feel that force ricochet through your body. Luckily, you're wearing a helmet that I will say protects you from concussions. That's not what normal helmets do. Everyone be careful. I want to say he's kind of soft, but I guess he's not. He's like, he looks soft because he looks like a man, a rubber shark man. And so as soon as you hit him, uh, he is on the floor and he just like, is like kind of flopping on his back and is like, Argh! and then he like scrambles up onto his feet. But before we continue with that, after every first transformation, there has to be a fight where each color kind of like displays their fighting technique and style as they're being crowded by like 10 different mooks. 
So I'll say that's what happens as the Sharkman hook hand catapulted himself towards Zen. 20 or so henchmen mooks came after Hope and Linda, respectively. So you all have about like 10 each or so to deal with. And they're just kind of like brandishing their different weapons. They've got, uh, like I mentioned, like crowbars, swords, trident, just like whatever you can think of. Just like the most random assortment of weapons they've got. And they are coming at you guys. Linda's suit looks relatively similar to Zen's minus the armor, except that the the base of it is a is probably more like a, a neutral color, um, like a white, but it's got some shimmer to it. But very importantly, on the like helmet, there's all these like orange starbursts, and she's got a orange like pirate sash tied around her waist. So she then, to fight these mooks, is going to just kind of flail around. (laughs) She does remember what she's learned from Zen so far in sword fighting class, but she's not that used to it. So she's going to spend some time saying things out loud, like thrust, parry, dodge, (laughs) repost, repost. Um, I guess it's repost. Uh, I totally didn't say that right, but that's okay. Probably Linda didn't either. Um, (laughs) And she's doing her best, but this is like, this is totally different than actual training. So um, she's still learning how to use the sword and she's just kind of gonna do her best. But because she is the orange ranger, it's a little goofy. Yeah, for sure. Like with these mooks, they're like, monsters right so they're like strong in like a monster kind of way and also there's like they overwhelm you with numbers but how zen trains you you know zen has a lot of experience and skill um they are nowhere near as like refined in fighting as she is and also you know it's your first fight after transforming so in the metaverse (laughs) they are there to get the shit kicked out of them so that you can be like be a badass so that's exactly what happens you know they're kind of like throwing themselves at you one by one and just getting stabbed you dodge as you yell dodge (laughs) and then like two of them that were like trying to charge at you at the same time bonk their heads against each other yeah take that (laughs) and then like stumble backwards and then i don't know you can like kick them over the board over the ship or something like that yes um (laughs) uh all right hope what about you Hope has been in this situation of surrounded by a lot of enemies before, so she's going to first instinctively, like, reach out and punch one of them, and then whenever her gloves explode, she smiles this very wicked smile that you can still somehow see despite the fact that she's wearing a helmet, and she just starts going to town. One of the styles of combat she she was trained in is actually specialized against fighting surrounded, generally using other opponents as weapons, so she will frequently pick one of them up, swing them around, smack them into another one, and then follow up on it. Once she figures out that her guns fire explosions, she starts using that to blast around the boat, just kind of firing behind her and using that to propel herself, and just just fighting very with a reckless disregard for pretty much everyone else around her, although, you know, she tries not to go ahead and, and plow right into her, her friends, but Uh, Aside from that, there are mooks flying all over the place, and she is having a ball. Amazing, yeah. It's just like, when they fly off the side of the ships, like, you punch one, and just, like, the force of it is like, and then just, like, they fly backwards, and their, like, limbs are flying. As soon as they hit the water, they just, like, sink into the water. They explode. Yeah. Is she, like, a, a street brawler kind of fighting style, I guess? It's very 
reliant on throws. She can she can punch with with the best of them. Um, but the style that that she was trained in was very reliant on throwing her enemies around and just generally kind of getting them out of her way to allow for a lot of mobility. Since she fights very high mobility, um, she is always in motion, which Zen certainly would have seen in their in their bouts. It's sort of just hard to get a hit on her because she's always moving around. She's scrambly. <laughs> it's very annoying. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, you guys are just beating the shit out of the books. It's like, this isn't a huge ship, it's a medium-sized ship, but somehow there is so much room for you guys. It's just, you guys have all the room in the world. Who, why, how does that work? Okay, Zen, so this shark man, he, like, flopped onto his back. He scrambled back up. Uh, You can see he's only got his nine little claws there. He is raring to take a swipe at you, which he does. He gets up and he immediately is on the offensive and just starts, like, trying to swipe at you. So Zen is very skilled. She obviously knows how to handle a weapon. She knows how to handle all kinds of weapons. What she does not have a lot of is finesse. Basically, she knows how to block. She knows how to parry. She knows how to do all of that. But when she's attacking, it's mostly reliant on force. She knows what she's doing, but she's much more interested in hitting as hard as she can than like looking fancy and it's not a beautiful fighting style but it is definitely the sort of thing where you don't want to get hit by her and she kind of uses her brute force style as it it almost works as defense too because she just stays constantly on the offensive forcing her opponent to uh keep blocking. So that's what she's doing. She's basically going at it full speed ahead, trying to drive him back. Her goal is to get him over the side. The best way to get him out of the fight, she figures, is to just remove him from it. Yeah. So, you know, you guys are kind of trading blows at first, but Zen is very overwhelming in in her offensive. He can only defend and block so much. He's like, he's backpedaling. He's got little shark legs. He's getting like pushed through the crowd of mooks. You're pushing his back closer and closer to the edge of the ship. He's trying to gain leverage by shoving mooks off the side of the boat just so it's not him. How do you finally just like push him off? She finally gets his back to the railing on the side of the ship and she takes a real aggressive swing at him, like everything she's got. And when he moves to block, two things are going to happen. First, she's going to catch one of his fingers and get another one. (laughs) And second, she's going to lean back on her tail, lift up one foot and just kick him right in the chest to kick him right over the rail. You just Sparta kick him squarely in the chest. He's flailing backwards. He's lost yet another finger. Did you like mirror the finger you took off? So like if you took off a thumb before, are you like, did you take off another thumb or did you just take off like another finger on the same hand? (laughs) She's not aiming for a specific finger. It's just whatever she happens to catch. It's not even really intentional on her part. She just happens to always get the fingers. (laughs) It's just a happy accident. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, he splashes back into the water. You can see, like, air bubbles bubbling to the surface. But before you can really look over the result of this, a bunch of mooks are still in the boat. So probably, like, a whole group of them would start attacking you as well. It seems this was, like, a winning blow. Sharkman Hookhand is severely injured and sinking to the ocean, presumably. 
the Mook numbers are like dwindling because their commander isn't there. You know, you guys are like turning the tide of the battle. Everyone is so invigorated by the presence of you guys, essentially. But before you can kind of celebrate, there is a large crunching, breaking sound near the bottom of the boat. And the entire ship once once more shakes. You didn't see anything shooting off from the other boat, much like what it was before with the grappling hook or with the bridges. So you're not entirely certain what hit your ship just now, but water was already like getting into the boat because, you know, holes were punched into the side. But whatever just hit it just now and kind of broke the edge is definitely in a part underwater for sure. And so now the boat is sinking a little bit. But before anyone can react to that, before you in the ocean, there is a huge light that shines and shimmers similar to the iridescent lasers that were fired off to the side of the boat and something is very quickly rising out of the water and and like ocean is like spilling off the side as this thing breaks the surface of the water and it is quickly revealed to be shark man hook hand who is now like several stories tall oh that's not okay (laughs) Do you normally deal with these sorts of problems? Aurelia is, you know, dealing with her own mooks. Let's say you guys have kind of fought back these mooks and you're kind of like circled around and your your backs are with each other. And she's just like, uh, no, usually not me, but our rangers do, which in this case is you guys. Y'all are doing great. Really good. She's so encouraging. (laughs) (laughs) She's like trying to be like a positive person princess. I appreciate the words, but do you have some sort of growth potion somewhere? Do these get bigger? Can we stand on each other's shoulders? Or <laughs> uh, or can we make him smaller? Oh, that would work. You, uh, well... Might be able to break his toes. Honestly, this, uh, we usually, you'd have some kind of orientation, um, but yes, you, you have titans that are, that are attuned to the gems that help you transform. And if you call out to them, Uh, they will come to your aid and they can fight large men like this. So that's something you'll have to do right now. They're kind of always, you know, around. They just- Zen grabs her by the shoulders and like just shakes her a little bit. Just tell us how. Call out, just call out for- It's like, I I don't really know how to do it because I've never done it myself. But the way it's always been described to me, it's it's always just been like- Titans. Yeah, you know, just it, it, it's like in your soul. Um, hmm. If you kind of latch on to that tidbit, um, you can kind of feel that there was some kind of connection with something, maybe? You you can't tell. There's a lot of things going on right now, obviously. And so, as she mentioned that, you, you can sense this sort of string connecting you to some kind of sentient being that's sort of like resting at the moment. Is this our, our special phrases? So this part isn't your special phrases. Um, We will get to that at one point, I promise. I'm very excited about it. So as you guys, you know, anime reach out with your souls, that sort of sleeping entity that you feel connected with stirs, and it can tell that you require their help, their assistance. And you can tell that this entity acknowledges your request and that they are somehow making their way towards you. Like, you don't know how they're doing it, but you know they're coming. So down the line... Describe what your mech is and how they make their grand entrance. I don't know what a mech is, but I know what a Zord is. Wow. You're going to get banned. That's the only time I'm going to say it. How do I kick you out? (laughs) 
So my mech is a orange glittering narwhal painted that same sort of like glittering stuff that like amusement park rides and shitty cars are painted where it's like hyper glittery. I think that's my car. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's like, there's like, you know, like old fashioned like cars from like the 80s where you look at them and you're like, oh God, <laughs> it's that kind of glittery. But yes, mine is a is a glittery orange narwhal. And so I think the only thing I can think of is that my narwhal is going to begin to rise out of the depths of the ocean, kind of similar to how the um, Shark Man Godzilla did. <laughs> so my narwhal is going to rise out of the ocean. And as soon as it surfaces, it shoots like a, a spray of sparkles from its horn, like fireworks and some water in a big plume out of its blowhole. It is very large and very, very shiny. Nice. I love it. Who's next? So as Zen reaches out with her soul to this thing, after Linda's narwhal has surfaced, just further out into the water, you can see the ocean starting to bubble and boil. And this bubbling, boiling patch of sea gets closer and closer. And then this mech, this giant salamander with like a red and black like poison dart frog pattern climbs out of the ocean and like up the side of this big alien ship with like steam just all around it. Oh yeah, hell yeah. So it's like as you know the salamander climbs on the side its weight and density kind of like rocks this ship and these lasers from before like deflected right off the edge but the heat of your salamander it almost seems like it's it's warping the metal a bit um, and doing something to it. And you're up next, Hope. As something else approaches from one of the other directions currently not taken by the other mechs, you see a fin pop out of the water uh, and a familiar water trail that would indicate a shark. And then, contrary to what you would normally expect from a fin poking out of the water, a laser beam shoots out from underneath the water and just trails up against the hookhand shark man. (laughs) And then the shark itself jumps out of the water and unleashes this very loud and ear-rending shark roar, which I know sharks can't do, but it's a robot, so it does whatever I want. <laughs> yes, Sharkman Hookhand is just like, I'm the only shark around here. Uh, clearly doesn't understand what an ecosystem is and that there are multiple animals usually um, in the same environment. <laughs> uh, then I go ahead and yell out, well, you're about to be sushi, completely ignoring the fact that you generally do not make sushi out of sharks, but... <laughs> not with not that yet. Yeah, we're gonna go with that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, all your guys' mechs are in place now. I will leave this up to you all. What I don't know if you want these mechs to kind of independently act from you or if you want to like jump in into like a cockpit generally in the more recent super sentai and power ranger series it's less like you're sitting in a seat and like piloting them and it's more like pacific rim where you're like uh, powering them through your movements uh up to you guys what what would you want to do Linda's gonna hop in that narwhal because she remembers being in Lancer, so she's more comfortable okay. with that. <laughs> That's true. Zen does not remember being in Lancer because Zen got left behind while everyone else got to pilot a mech, and now it is Zen's turn, so she's gonna hop into her mech. It sounds like we're doing. We're hopping into the mech. We're doing cockpits. Yeah, into the we're getting in the fucking robot. <laughs> yeah. So for other people, uh, people who aren't familiar with. Uh, Super Sentai Power Rangers. Usually when this happens, it's just like a little 
person CGI jumping into the mech. And they just get, like, absorbed into it. And it's just, it's just a giant toy commercial, honestly. Um, buy our toys, guys. Buy our stickers. Yeah, yeah buy please our stickers. buy our stickers. <laughs> They're cool. They're very good stickers. You should buy them. Also, summoning your mechs is also a heavy turn. But once again, it's, you know, quote unquote, the first episode here. So you guys get it for free. But how do you proceed with this with this fight? Because, uh, you know, there's still mooks running in and then and, and trying to fight people on the boat. But Sharkman Hookhand is definitely turned his attention towards you all um and it's very obvious he's missing two fingers right now so i want to um using my new narwhal mech i want to shoot like a shimmer of sparks in his eyes so he can't see so he gets all blind because he's like oh there's too much shiny glitter everywhere so he already had two eye patches covering his eyes. oh shit that's <laughs> right he does his Wait, but he can still see or sense. That's fair. Okay, yeah. Fine. Then I want to shoot a bunch of literal like pieces of glitter. It's biodegradable, so it's okay to be used in the ocean. But uh, (laughs) if you get it in your nose and eyes and mouth, it's going to be really irritating. So I'm going to shoot it up in the goal of getting a bunch in his nose and his mouth and whatever, you know, to interfere with his senses. So is it just like you had a glitter shaker and then you basically just like shook it on him? Or is it like a laser beam with lots of glitter? Like one of those boxes you see in those like really clearly staged YouTube videos where like a fan is in the box and it like shoots glitter all over when you open it. It's like that. It's like a big poof in his face, like a cloud of glitter. Uh, the glitter is just explodes onto him. Um, and it gets on his gills, his his nose uh, slits his mouth. He's just doing that thing where, you know, when you uh, get a bunch of, like, dry powder in your mouth and you're just kind of, like, gagging and just like... And it's just like, it's it's so uncomfortable. And he's just like... It's, it's, I can smell it. I can smell the glitter. Um, <laughs> so he is distracted with that at the moment. I wonder, is this glitter... Uh, there's one way to find out. Well, <laughs> let's find out. Zen's salamander opens its mouth and a gout of flame just bursts forth. Okay, so as soon as it hits the glitter, it just like each individual piece of glitter just like combusts and he is just uh, completely engulfed in a sparkling inferno. A sparkling inferno. Yeah, of magic and wonder. <laughs> and he's just uh, screaming. Like, he's in the water. He, he's going to dive into the water to try to get the fire out and also maybe wash away some of this glitter. Enjoy getting salt water and your glitter fire wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Big shark jerk. Yeah, so he, like, immediately dives into the ocean to try to, honestly, probably try to retreat at this point because he's on fire and he's missing fingers and there's glitter everywhere. That's good, because Hope, who is inside of a mechanical shark, was waiting for this moment. So from the depths of the ocean, after he jumps into the water, uh, Hope's shark comes up spinning like the world's most deadly and fastest top, and just smacks right into his head. (laughs) Like you, like, drilled into him? Okay. And he's just... Ah, Everything hurts so much! And so now, I think he's trying to escape from you and would like jump out of the water still covered in glitter still partially covered in flames because magic and so now he is just up in the air just a prime target somehow you guys just individually fire your attacks on him like at the same time what would that what would that look like 
So the shark comes up to the surface and then opens its mouth, and as before, just a laser comes out. The narwhal is going to come bursting out of the water. It's going to breach majestically. Um, I'm pretty sure narwhals breach. I mean, they're whales, so they should, right? Yeah, and it is going to shoot a shimmery like rocket out of the horn. Oh my god! <laughs> like those those beautiful fireworks that dissolve. Nice. The salamander dives into the water, sucks a bunch of water into its mouth, and this time when it opens its mouth to spit at the shark man, that water and fire kind of combine into like a huge gout of steam and fog and just makes the air very, very hot. All right, so Hope's laser shark shoots a beam out at him. Linda's narwhal shoots a rocket out. Zen salamander shoots out a, a superheated spout of water. And you three hit him from three different points right at the same time. And the force of your attacks propel him even further up in the air, just like uh, into the atmosphere. And then just the combination of all your attacks, he fucking explodes. His... <laughs> body evaporates from the force of your attacks oh my god and there's just like almost nothing left there's just like a huge explosion in the sky like lights up the darkness of the sky there's like some kind of some small debris like falling back into the ocean and like maybe a couple fingers that he had left but this dude is fucking dead oh is that does that normally happen? Uh, you can hear from like, you know, uh, several dozens of yards away, Aurelia's small voice. Yeah, that's pretty normal. And seeing their captain of the ship, the Caterbees, the Mooks, it is just so easy to like knock them aboard, knock them astray, just kick their asses. Even like the massive numbers start dwindling. Um, and as Zen Salamander, you know, displayed earlier, like it seems like your mechs have through whatever magical means or strength or something um, can even actually even uh, hurt the ship. While the Sharkman hook hand is now gone, you still have the danger because the Oasis Aurelia ship is very, very quickly sinking. Hope is going to go ahead and get Shark to surface at least enough so that, you know, people can climb on the back and then head over to Aurelia's ship and start start getting people off of it uh, because she is relatively confident that Zen is going to go on the offensive. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, people are still dealing with the rest of these caterbees, but, you know, they are dying. They were pretty easy to knock off board at this point. And so um, now people are, you know, the ship was sinking way too fast for them to, like, deploy, not rescue boats, but, like, the little side boats. So people are kind of just jumping on to your shark and just, like, helping each other as well. Well, Hope is correct in her assumption. <laughs> Zen will waste no time in swimming back over to the enemy ship and crawling all over it and letting it, letting that metal like twist and warp underneath the salamander's padded feet. Oh, it's got toe beans. Yeah. <laughs> well, like like metal toe beans. Kind of, kind of like sticky suction metal toe beans. It's so cute. And eventually, um, some of that metal should warp enough to put a big old hole in the bottom of this ship. And now we have two sinking ships on our hands. Correct. <laughs> Before I sort of resolve that a bit more, uh, Linda, would you join Zen in doing this? Or are you kind of joining Hope? Or are you, uh, do you have your own plans? 
Linda looks over and it looks like Zen uh, has it under control. Um, and also because I'm not sure how useful a narwhal is going to be, maybe I could like punch a hole in the ship, but it's going to be much more effective to like melt it with fire and, and little metal toe beans. Then Linda's going to go over with hope and surface enough that um, people could start climbing on the narwhal as well. Okay, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, you're helping... Uh, hope with that. Yeah, Zen, your salamander is just, like, warping the shit out of this ship. You know, like, there are mooks who, that are trying to, um... Yeah, people probably don't want to climb on my back because it's probably hot as hell. Yeah, especially right now, right? Like, mooks are probably trying to... There's, like, a little funny scene where a bunch of mooks are, are running up and they're, like, and they're, like, about to, like, smack your little lizard hands, but it's too hot. And then they, they get hurt, and they're like, ah! And then they, uh, you know, spontaneously combust or whatever. So yeah, you're making a mess out of this boat. Uh, the ship is not going to be able to be salvaged, at least not with tons and tons of effort. And as you kind of do your work on it, it also begins to sink and all the cater bees with it. And so with that very intense battle, things are starting to calm down. Um, you know how like in shows like if there's a night battle the end of the episode shows the sun rising but not that much time has passed like this is all maybe in the span of a couple hours so it's actually probably still dark and so you just continue sailing on your mechs zen would you eventually start holding people or are you just uh or is this salamander always hot uh, I think it runs hot, but when it's not actively in combat, I think the water around it does cool it down significantly. Okay, sure. Would you? So would you also be using it as a rescue vessel, or are you kind of just vibing? Yeah. Once the steam stops rising from it, Zen will help take on some of the passengers. And you can leave your cockpits if you'd like, because these machines are kind of sentient. So you can put them on cruise control. They know what they're doing. Did you guys have any other questions or wanted to talk to anyone about stuff or? I just kind of want to keep sailing onward. Yeah. So um, nothing else happens. You, you all crushed a ship and then blew up Sharkman hook and. And while, you know, you guys can't go super, super fast because there's, you know, people on the back of your mechs and there's no seatbelts. You guys are going at a steady pace. People are very bolstered by your presence and just uh, they feel safe and secure with you all. So people are getting tired and stuff like that because it's not ideal sailing situation, but spirits are high. And so the next day and a half, people are kind of, you know, making the best of it because as Aurelia has mentioned, the rebellion is not in a great place right now. And part of that was because the R-Rangers were captured and their keys were lost uh, and there's some kind of betrayer there. And morale took a really hard hit when that happened. And so even getting some of the keys back is great. It's amazing. May people are like, oh, maybe we can we can strike back at the Overking. Maybe we can finally build an assault. Maybe we can, you know, all this stuff, you know, people are, are very hyped about this. And eventually, you see from a distance, you see the silhouette of a fleet of bobbing ships, just like of varying sizes, and they're all docked around a small island. On this island, it's like a gentle mountain range, but as you get closer and you see more of the details, it becomes very apparent that the island itself is actually just a bunch of giant ships that are like clustered together. These ships are ginormous, grand ships. They're hundreds of feet tall and at least double, triple, multiple of that in length. 
and they're made of kind of like the same not quite wood that the oasis was made of which was like it was like a wood-like material but kind of more magical looking and eventually you know your mechs know to stop because they recognize this point anchor's edge one of these giant ships that is closest to you a side of this giant boat folds out and like settles on top of the water and then kind of like on this flat surface you see sprouts like plants start growing out of the surface of the side of this boat and they just sort of kind of like glow and then slowly different little plant huts are set on this flat surface aurelio walks up beside you all and generally is just like we're here this is anchor's edge so uh welcome let's go talk to the folks in charge yeah, sure. You guys are pretty eager. I'm sure she's also eager. You know, everyone turned their attention towards you guys because you have uh, three big animal mechs that, that people thought were lost and they're not, which is dope. I guess, are you guys still transformed or did you untransform? You don't have to be transformed to ride the animals. <laughs> it's, it's fine if you don't want to be. Yeah, Hope would have untransformed. Okay. Zen as well. Yeah, Linda too. Okay. Uh, all the other people there there's probably like a few hundred or something people start helping like the people from the oasis lots of mutterings of like oh what happened like where is the ship all this stuff and so to meet princess aurelia there are three individuals who start heading your way three individuals who are kind of similar in the way they carry themselves as a really just like clearly with some kind of authority and their outfits are a little bit more regal or intricate looking. So there is an older, kind of more grizzled looking man who is uh, resembles features of like a German shepherd. There is a really buff looking human guy who is kind of like as bat wings and like bat ears and then the third person is they're not a person walking around on their own they're like a fish person who's being kind of pushed around in a fish tank and so the uh, german shepherd man speaks first he has of course a, a loud booming voice and he's just like aurelio how are you where's the ship are you okay and she's just like uh yes we were attacked by one of exorin's hunters and we lost the ship but we made it out with few casualties thanks to these three individuals they are uh some of my father's contacts and so she gestures at the, at the three commanders our lords hope's gonna give a little wave they all kind of look at you um and they look between themselves and they're just like you know what uh maybe we should talk about this and uh, why don't you all follow us Zen is like, are we going to have to prove our loyalty again, or... Let's talk about it. (laughs) They're just kind of like... How many centaurs do we have to wrestle before we can settle this question? (laughs) Linda's willing to go with them, and she, as usual, is being nice and warm and uh, disarming. She's, again, trying to do her best to be like, you can trust me, I'm chill. They take you to kind of a little plant building that is kind of more in the center of this settlement and is a little bit bigger. Uh, It's like a war tent, essentially. All these are basically just like tents. As soon as you all take a seat, they would look at you expectantly. They sort of want to hear it from you all. All right, so Zen would slap her hands on the table and be like, we're here to solve your problem. So the German shepherd guy arches a brow at you and is just like, "Uh, well, we have a lot of those. Can you be more specific? (laughs) Right. I misspoke. (laughs) We're not here to solve your problem specifically. We're here to find the lost regalia key. 
And hopefully, in doing so, we can solve at least one of your problems. Well, I feel like we've already solved at least one of their problems. Oh, that is a good point. I mean, I'm, d- I'm down for more problem solving as long as we're in the neighborhood. Absolutely. And uh, someone from your side reached out to us asking us to solve that problem. And he just steeples his hands and kind of like furrows his brows and rests his elbows on the table. Hope's going to lean over to Linda and go, is that is that what we're going with? Is, is that what happened? I'm still not clear on a few uh, things. Uh, well, as far as I know, that's what happened. I mean, we are problem solvers and someone reached out to us asking us to solve this problem. Okay, that works. The big buff bat guy. I think I said he was a humanoid. I lied. He's going to be an anthropomorphic bat. He's going to be a man bat because that's what I... Hell yeah. A Batman? No, 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 not Batman. He's man bat. (laughs) (laughs) And he's going to cross his big buff arms and he's going to look at you and be like, maybe introductions are first. I am Commander Battenson. This is Commander Genesis. Gestures at the fish tank person. This is Commander Khan and, and gestures at the thinking German shepherd person. You said one of our contacts reached out to you, so you solve problems. That's right. That's incredibly vague, but... Look, I don't really know what you want from us, but we've done you a big favor. So I'd appreciate it if you would give us a little bit of trust, a little bit of slack, and let us do what we do best. Do you guys just like walked in like 10 minutes ago and now you're just like, we're going to solve your problems. And they've been in the middle of a decade long war. And so they're just like, what the fuck is going on? Well, if I could, if I could channel a little bit of Zen's energy here, who needs punching? And we can handle the punching. And they sort of defer to Commander Khan. And he's just like, honestly, a lot. A lot of aliens need punching, specifically Exorin. Unfortunately, he is in the middle of Exoropolis, surrounded by his generals. Is there something you three are able to do for us that we have not been able to the past 10 years? Well, like I said, we're trying to find the lost regalia key. Is it possible that you have some information on that? that we have not heard yet. Most of the regalia keys are lost to us, except for the three that you seem to have fallen into possession of. Most of the warriors are captured. Zen will look up at the ceiling (laughs) and say, hey, Real, do we have any specific information on this? Then she opens up her journal to see if maybe there's any sort of drawing or image. Yeah, I think as you have all been adventuring, you'll see drawings kind of like similar to uh, the gem, which is the flat circular round gem. And then there's the key, which is the coin form. So you kind of, you see uh, these two in your journal and Rill would pipe in and just be like, yeah, well, it says the lost gem specifically, but it says that that Baroness person who went missing, she was in charge of the violet one. Once again, they share another look, and Commander Khan is just, well, if you're looking for the Baroness, she's been lost to us for decades, much before this war, but... And he kind of hesitates. He lets out a sigh, and he's just kind of, like, on top of the rangers who have been captured. You three aren't the only new people that have been dropped into our world. Several months ago, there was someone similar who seemed to come out of nowhere and quickly rose through the ranks of the Overking's army. And somehow they fell into possession of a gem that we had not accounted for. Zen kind of exchanged 
exchanges a meaningful glance with Linda and Hope, and it's like, that sounds like an anomaly to me. Amongst the stalker marquis, who is the uh, Overking's right-hand general, this uh, mysterious Orin Violet, uh, they've definitely thrown a wrench in our plans and have also made quite a dent in our forces since they've appeared. Now, is this person the same as the betrayer that was mentioned before? Um, so Aurelia would pipe up here. Yeah, apparently someone had weaseled their way in with the other rangers and was supposed to help them with the attack. And clearly it did not go through the way we'd hoped, so... So, I'm not sure Desi was actually physically described in our Lancer arc, but I think Zen will describe her now and ask if that description sounds familiar at all. Commander Khan would shake his head. No, not, I mean, similar figure, uh, a bipedal humanoid, but not a human. Most of us don't know what they look like out of the suit, but they have a tail. Was it just a tail, or did they have anything else uh, distinct about them that you could that you could tell? Of course, distinct in what way? Just like in a not human way, because yes, I'm so sorry. From our perspective, anything that doesn't look just like a body, four legs, uh, is a little distinct. Body and four legs. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> two arms and two legs. No, two arms, two legs. I mean, like I said, none of us have seen them out of their suit, so we can't tell necessarily what is part of the suit's embellishment or if it's actually part of their form, but two arms, two legs, bipedal humanoid, yeah. And as far as you know, are they still here? Yes, they are pivotal to Exorin's plans. They show up whenever it's least convenient for us, it seems. Zen cracks her knuckles and is like, well, I think we just figured out what problem we have to solve. If you can, that would be a huge help to us. Yeah, it sounds like someone is here who shouldn't be here, and that is our specialty. If you can help us with this, then we will consider us allies in this. It seems that you had saved Aurelia as well, and, and for that we also owe you uh, our gratitude. We'll have to do some planning on how to draw this rogue ranger away, grab their attention somehow. They tend to go off on their own to do sneak attacks or uh, forms of subterfuge. They tend to go off more on their own. Well, uh, maybe now that we have our uh, robotic friends, maybe maybe that'll draw them out. It does seem like the best way to draw someone out is with something that they want. And uh, it sounds like we have something that they want. This true. They would definitely want the recovered gems in our possession back. The only thing is they would not come as far as Anchor's Edge. Our numbers may be dwindling, but they would not come out on their own to a rebellion stronghold. So I might have an idea. We head out, just the three of us in our mechs. We move with purpose, make it look like we're heading somewhere intentional. Make it look like we found something. I think that could draw attention. So he thinks about it for a moment, and he nods slowly. That could definitely work. I'm sure we could draft up a location of some sort that you could head towards that it is definitely possible for them to assume that we are heading for an attack there. Maybe we even let some sort of uh, message or communication get intercepted by mistake. 
Aurelia would pipe up at this point and she would be like, it might even be worth it to maybe plan our own attack somewhere else just because this orange dusk, if they're out of the picture, it would make any attack on our end more likely to succeed. Alright, so we can be a diversion and then we get what we want and that opens it up for you. That would be ideal. Of course, we need to discuss the nuances of this plan. Uh, why don't we take care of that? Gather your strength. So, she, you know, she's fine with you guys basically vibing. Unless you want to sit in on the war meeting, it's kind of up to you guys. Hope's never been much of one for diplomacy or meetings, so she's going to go ahead and skip out. Yeah, Linda loves diplomacy, but she doesn't know anything about war. Okay, so cool. Zen will actually sit in on this one. Oh, no, we don't need a roleplay that just because it's like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do here or talk about. But yeah, they all talk brainstorming about which place would be best to draw the rogue Oranger and what best is a way for them to breach to get away to the Citadel is essentially their plan. That's kind of like the very, very general overview. Any like big attack they do now, it's kind of like a final gambit because they don't have that many people left. It's now or never. Yeah. So there's definitely like a finality to this plan and kind of everyone's attitude. So before all this gets kicked off, people are kind of like not celebrating, but like trying to bolster energy and morale with like a send off. The commanders at least seem not content, but the plan they came up with isn't a complete crapshoot. Like there, there's a small chance that it'll succeed, but at least it exists. I actually want to rewind for a little bit just back to while the meeting is happening. Hope wants to talk to Linda and, and actually kind of goes, oh, Will, could you also listen in on this? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of listening the whole time. Who's Desi? Oh, ah, that's that's a good question. So uh, Desi is a friend of ours. Maybe you've seen her around the library. Uh, Desdemona is her name. Uh, we went on a mission with her hmm, a month or so ago. And unfortunately, while we were on that mission, it became clear that the Desi that had been assigned was not the Desi that we were working with. Right when we thought the mission was coming together, the Desi that was with us took off with the anomaly. She pointed a gun at me. It was not my my favorite experience I've had here at the library. And when we got back, the Desi that had been assigned, the real Desi, uh, was very confused as to why she hadn't been with us. So a real, uh, you know, uh, your standard case of alternate universe self uh normal shit is that something you've ever uh ran into hope sure more so somebody took her place with you on the mission yes an alternate universe self of desi but like kind of an asshole you know au you know usually means alternate universe uh she was from the asshole universe it was like um like the star trek where they all have beards i can't say i'm familiar with that is that is that a is that some kind of entertainment? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm. No, it's fine. I'm not from a world with that. You don't have entertainment. Well, well, we have entertainment, sure, but not that specific thing. No Star Trek. Uh, yeah. Do you have any kind of uh input on this? Because it it seems you uh have kind of been around. Well, I have on occasion hopped to different versions of the library, featuring different versions of people. Wait. There's different versions of the library. Hmm. 
it's a long story, um, but I, I've I've kind of been plane hopping for the past, oh, I don't know, I've lost count by this point, number of years now. When I signed on to work in the library, I found out that I can't leave there. Like, if I try and plane hop, I just end up in the library. But I don't know if it's the same library or just a different part of the same library. Have you ever ran into asshole Desi? I, I don't think I've run into normal Desi. Much less asshole, Desi. I'm not sure how I feel about all this multi-universe stuff. I'm not sure how I feel about the library's complete lack of security. Okay, that's a lot to think about. We'll come back to this. Yes. We'll, we'll table this discussion. Linda, I guess I guess one more question. Yeah. Uh, whenever you do these things, do you all always end up in worlds that are on the brink of societal collapse and require a large sudden hero intervention, or is that just this that's one? That's just this one. <laughs> I guess I got lucky then. Okay. Uh, is there anything else that people want to address kind of before we head on to this? Yeah, so I guess Zen comes out of the meeting kind of rubbing her hands together and says, all right, we've got a plan. Is it a good plan? I think so. Let's hope so. All right. So you all join in with the festivities and, and hang out with the people on Anchor's Edge before the quote unquote final battle, which you won't be really taking part in because you guys got your own shit to deal with. I don't think I have anything else to do. I do think Linda's going to take a, a good long look at Elena and see if she sees her at the library because she has a theory. <laughs> but she's not going to approach her yet because she's not sure. Uh, Zen will actually, before they head out, will track down Reeve and just be like, hey, you take care of yourself, okay? She nods and she's like, you as well. I don't know how freely you're permitted to travel between the realms, but perhaps we can uh, catch up at some later time when hopefully Cristoria will still be around. Zen will do some finger guns, a gesture she learned from Rail, and um, <laughs> head off to do her thing. Uh, surprisingly, re-finger guns back at you. Whoa. 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 I don't remember if I established whether that is or isn't a thing in this world. I guess it is. It is <laughs> now. now. It is. Um, yeah. What about you, Hope? Hope doesn't really have anybody she wants to talk to in particular. Okay, so the night goes on. You guys go to bed. The next day is battle day. People are getting prepped, packing their things up. That's kind of the bulk of the day because the plan is the Aura Lords and stuff are going to hit the continent um, and try to hit the capital. Uh, and so you guys, you're, the plan for you all is probably to try to bait this uh, rogue ranger sometime around sundown, sunset-ish. Um, so probably like mid-afternoon, you all would set out. As you guys sail, it takes a few hours. Eventually you do see the continent. But before you can actually land on the shore, there is a shadow beneath the ocean that is following you guys, kind of. Uh, it wasn't always there. But as you get closer to the continent, it made its presence known. And this is a very large shadow. I think we'd better play it cool because I'm assuming that it's an enemy and not like a big friendly manatee who's going to come up and be besties <laughs> with us. And then a bunch of manatees. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
I assume we can communicate from mech to mech. Yes. I think Xen will at some point state to the other, it's like, looks like we've got company, and agrees with Linda, like, yeah, let's let's play it cool. Let's draw them in. Looks like something's taking the bait. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you guys just keep doing what you're doing, trying to play it cool. And then, yeah, uh, as you expected, this shadow kind of swims out ahead of you and, like, cuts you off and then faces you. It's kind of like Stingray, but also Bat-ish shaped and kind of like atop the head of this mech is a violet dark purple figure who is already in their suit and they're just very casually like knee is uh, propped up with their elbow on it and one leg is kind of like hanging off the side of the the majestic flat flap as commander khan mentioned they have a tail this better not be evil real i'm gonna be so upset if it's evil real (laughs) (laughs) so like instead of like the sash that you know you all have they're just kind of like a, a sort of angled loose leather buckle around their neck is a worn down scarf with tattered edges on top of their helmet uh some of you have like spikes and stuff like that but there are actually two horns that are you mentioned rail but like rails is like turned downwards kind of like you know like ram horns right but this person in front of you their horns are like if they were rails horns but then like shifted 90 degrees up so that like the curved bottom part was like facing outward instead of downwards does that make sense yes yes but the left horn on the helmet even though it's like part of the helmet is actually like it's like someone snapped it in half. And you can see uh, there's the journal by their belt. And yeah, you can see one hand has like an ornate gauntlet. Not exactly like hopes, um, which are more like like combat gloves, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is more like a metal spell gauntlet type thing. Um, and then they have like a small pistol on one side and then a short sword on the other side. And so yeah, they're just kind of looking at you all. They're not saying anything. <laughs> they're just watching you, kind of waiting for you all to say something first. And that's where we'll pick up next time on the Eternity Archives. There are, in our world, certain places that seem to draw on the strange. Tragic news on this, the first day of school in Chillhaven, as a local teen has been found dead, under what authorities are describing as mysterious circumstances. The unusual. So sleeping is difficult, because I don't blink, so... Oh my god. The monstrous. (laughs) And then he vomits out his whole skeleton onto his desk. What?! And when you were a hip, young teen, coming of age in one of these locations... So I'm, like, walking, trying to, like, subtly unzip my hair out of my backpack. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you are an aspiring scientific genius. What do they fluctuate, Zeke? Molecules? A burgeoning telekinetic. I think you have telekinetic powers. That's so specific for you to say right now. Um. <laughs> or a social media influencer. And she took a and she took a selfie too, and she put glass their fake glasses. <laughs> Your safety is not guaranteed. Why do I keep being made to look at things that shouldn't be? <laughs> In these dangerous times at Chillhaven High. Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High is a real-play, radiophonic, supernatural teen drama. New episodes every Tuesday. Follow us everywhere at Chillhaven High. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Ziva. 
Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.